0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 96, for Monday, November the 19th, 2012. On the program today, we are going to be talking about the latest episode of The Walking Dead called Hounded. We've got all kinds of other good stuff. Cool. Like, holy crap, did you see that And listener feedback? And even some Walking Dead news. Hey, that's great. So it's just like every other show we do. Do we have a, you know, this day in history? Well, we do have a this day in history. What do you got? What do you got? Today is November 19th. True. And it is World Toilet Day. Oh, that... (laughs) Pfft. I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. <laughs> now, it sounds funny, World Toilet Day, but it's actually a very serious day. It's serious. I'm seriously. Not, I'm not joking. We should seriously consider our toilets. In 2001, the World Toilet Organization, there's a do, the, the WTO, <laughs> uh, yeah, declared ni- the 19th of November World Toilet Day, WTD. Uh, Today is celebrated in over 19 countries and over 51 events being hosted by various water and sanitation advocates. The TWO created WTD to raise global awareness of the struggle that 2.6 billion face every day without access to proper clean sanitation. WTD also brings to the forefront the health, emotional, and psychological consequences the poor endure as a result of inadequate sanitation. Wow. So as you can see, it's a very serious day. It is. Or at least it's a serious problem that has kind of a funny name. Well, this is why the governor passed sanitation laws. Obviously, because he doesn't want his town to suffer with the emotional and psychological consequences of uh, inadequate sanitation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Well, happy... Toilet Day, yeah, World Toilet Day. I was, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, everyone think about it, it is coming up to Thanksgiving in the United States, right? Uh, next this weekend, I think, right? right? Right, right. We had ours like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um. But uh, so when you're giving thanks, you know, in all seriousness, give thanks for the things you have, including your toilet and your sanitation. Oh yeah, um, because it's important, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very good. Absolutely. All righty. With that out of the way, let's do this. The Walking Dead News. Okay, we have two items in the news. This count them, count them. Two items. The first one is our regular segment of the ratings. And this is, of course, the ratings for last week's episode, which was number five. Now, I speculated that maybe after the events of episode four, yeah. because they were so shocking, yep. that number five would get a big boost. Because everybody would tell their friends. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, my, you got to go see this show. Oh my God, oh my God. And right. then they'd come and they'd watch the next episode and it would be through the roof. Yeah, so what happened? Well, there were 10.373 million. Holy monkey balls. On the, uh, the 9 p.m. premiere. Yeah. Of the episode. Now, that's up over a million from the week before, so it is up. Yeah, we're, but, we hit that 10 million mark again. F- right, but it didn't break any records. This is still only third place for the season. So <laughs> 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 you're just spitting all over things today. Yeah, I got a spit card on my microphone, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, except don't do it too hard. I'm across the table from you.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm right in front of the mic, so I could I could move
0: aside from the mic sort of like this
1: and then you're in trouble.
0: And then I'm in trouble. So that that 10.373 million equates to a 5.6 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. Awesome. And if you add up all the 9, 10 and midnight broadcasts, you get 14.7 million total. Wow, I was going to say uh, 14.9. I was well, going to guess. Well, I do have something for you to guess. Okay. Come to think of it. Um now for the whole week. Right. Football was still number 1. Well, yes as it always is, but The Walking Dead dropped from the number two spot, as it's been in for a while now, to the number six spot on the ratings chart for the week. So you need to guess what else took its place last week on the ratings. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. I'm going to have to go with, like, Oh, I don't even
1: have cable anymore, so what? The, I can't even judge based on commercials. I'm gonna have to go with Dancing with the Stars or Survivor or something like that. It
0: is um, it is not a reality program, but it is reality TV. Uh, honey, what did my boss eat for dinner? No, that would be a reality TV show. The U.S. election. Oh, right, right, right. The the, the other big thing that happened yeah. that that week. So, the um, Fox News and CNN took. 2 through 5. Right. Mostly Fox News actually. I think they were 3 out of those 4 spots. Right. And CNN squeaked in an hour there above the head of The Walking Dead and then The Walking Dead came in at number 6.
1: So. I, I'm slightly embarrassed because even though I don't
0: have cable, I knew that the election happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of sad that I didn't uh, accurately guess anything. That's fine. It's not typical TV programming, so you don't it doesn't always jump to mind, right? It's sort of like the dancing bat. with the stars. I guess. It's electing with the head,
1: the leaders of uh, political
0: parties. <laughs> there you go. Why not? If they put it on every week, the rest of TV would be screwed. Yeah. Um, second item in the news is that The Walking Dead has been nominated for two People's Choice Awards. Oh, awesome. For which what? Which is exciting. So they are nominated in the uh, favorite sci-fi slash fantasy TV show category. Right. And they're running up against Doctor Who. Once Upon a Time, Supernatural, and The Vampire Diaries. Hmm, I only watched three of those five shows. I don't watch... Well, I've I've seen a lot of Doctor Who in the past, but not recently, and I haven't seen any of the other shows. Um, I would say that Doctor Who will probably give The Walking Dead a run for its money here, if not just take it out, right? I don't know, man. But then The Vampire Diaries is very popular amongst the ladies. Well, they're all popular shows. So I hear. Well, yeah, I guess so, but I think... Doctor Who, Vampire Diaries, and Walking Dead are a step above Once Upon a Time and Supernatural. I don't know. Once Upon a Time is very popular, and my wife watched the entire series. But it's only in season two as well. It's true, but it is, it's a people's choice, and it's all about popularity, right? That's true. So, uh, And Supernatural's been around forever. I don't know anybody that watches it, but I guess some some people I do. I know one person that watches it. We watched one episode, or maybe two, for one. our Lauren Cohen spotlight.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh yeah, I, I think Doctor Who is the only thing. I, it's, it's hard to gauge because I'm way far into The Walking Dead, yeah. and I'm not way far into any of
0: those other shows, so I, I can't I can't objectively right. gauge what uh, what may win. Well, that's the thing. Like thinking about them for me, I'm like, of course, The Walking Dead will win against that stuff, but it's it's i don't have the same perspective on all of them right but it's also nominated in the favorite cable tv drama category oh. so that's a big category and here it's running against burn notice leverage pretty little liars and white collar um, i have not seen any of those shows no i in don't fact, even know i don't know what white collar is in fact i've never heard of leverage
1: or white collar yeah, Pretty Little Liars I've heard of. Yep. Uh, Burn Notice I watched most of the first season but the female lead in that irritated me so much that it, we couldn't continue watching and even though uh what's his name is in it? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Uh you know, now that it's in its 5th season I might give it another chance.
0: Yeah, I've always meant to watch Burn Notice to be honest with you but there's just always been something else to put on before it. So so, so
1: sorry what else we got? We got the Pretty Little Liars, uh, Leverage, what's Leverage? Leverage.
0: I haven't the faintest. Yeah. And White
1: Collar. That I sounds interesting, actually. I gonna might look that up, because uh, uh, White Collar could
0: be a, uh, well, let's just... Could uh, be a crime show, White Collar Crime. Um, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, about, you know, t- uh, bankers evading their taxes and stuff like that. <laughs> you see, that, that <laughs> I could get into. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does allude to White Collar Crime. Yeah, of course. I don't know, but... And don't forget, these are cable TV dramas, so these aren't major networks. That's why some of these we don't know. But interestingly, it's not... Against Mad Men, or oh, that's true, or um, true Blood. Breaking Bad, or True Blood, or any other, or, or uh, that show that um, I don't like very much. Oh, Game of Thrones, yeah, oh, okay. Don't please don't write an email about that. I've taken enough abuse for not really liking Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but none of those are there, which is strange. So, I don't know if for some reason they don't qualify, but. Whatever, The Walking Dead is, and it's against this stuff, so. Okay, so
1: uh, Neil McCaffrey, a con man, forger, and thief, is captured after a three-year game of cat and mouse by the FBI. With only months left, blah, 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 blah. So it's uh, a white-collar crime uh he probably teams up with the FBI to help ca- capture other or, or catch uh, other white collar criminals so you're going to go check it out now i think i'm totally checking this out all right good well you can let me know how it is i don't know anybody in the cast list
0: well there are a million categories for the people's choice That's just two of them, but if you want to vote, you can go over to peopleschoice.com and submit your votes in one or all of the categories. You can go vote for The Walking Dead or, I suppose, anything else in these two. I did go over and vote, and I voted for The Walking Dead. I'm just saying. Good man. Yep. Good man. It's a popularity contest. Absolutely, and I'm throwing in my two cents. Yeah. Uh, The awards are broadcast on January the 9th on CBS.
1: Uh, I I won't be able to
0: see that. Uh, I don't have cable. No, I'm—yeah, but— Presumably someone else out there does, so they might want to watch it. Yeah, and
1: I'm I'm planning on completely skipping January the 9th.
0: You are, right? Yeah, well, there's
1: a plan for a long time. It's not because of this. It's just I'm just going to skip that day. <laughs> all right, fine.
0: I don't need that day. You've never skipped a day? Who knows what day of the week it is? It's a Wednesday. Oh, all right. So you're just going to not do Wednesday. That particular Wednesday, I'm just not doing it. I'm skipping that day altogether. All right. Maybe I'll do, skip January 26th. That's your birthday. Yeah, I know. Don't right. skip that, well, but, man. I'm not going to skip the birthday part. Maybe I'll skip the going to work part.
1: Uh, that, that's not skipping a day. That's you know embracing the day. Oh, okay, you're right. That's doing something better that. No, day. No, skipping
0: the day is just not getting out of bed and don't don't do shit. <laughs> you know what? I can't. I don't have that luxury with kid kids in the house. They don't let me skip days in bed. If they make you get out of bed, just break down crying. They'll let you go back to bed. Believe yeah, me, I don't think so. They'll probably start crying. See, it all works. All righty, let's uh, move on to our recap of this episode. Hounded. Oof. I know. He's got, he's got the voice there, man. So this is our recap of number six from season three, Hounded.
1: Hounded.
0: Our cold open starts with Merle, Tim, Crowley, and Neil uh, in the forest hunting for Michonne. What's Neil's last name? I don't know. I forget now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Did you write it down? No, I didn't write it down. Merle had they trouble saying it. said like it like
1: seven times in the show and tried to...
0: It's like... Uh, no, I got nothing. I'm going with Neil, uh, even though... Well, Crowley, I assume, is the guy's last name. Tim is Red Pants Guy. What, you've got, what have you got in your pocket? Right. And Merle is Merle. So they're out there hunting for Michonne. They find a bitergram, Yeah. which is the term coined by Merle. And it's it's arms in the shape of a G. Yep. Uh, some other body, maybe arms in the shape of an O or legs. Legs. Legs, legs. in the shape of the O. Yeah. And and a back. And the a torso. Back. So go it back. says, go back. Neil figured it out. Smart, Neil. Yeah. Um, so they're standing around... Having a you know chat about the biter Graham, and suddenly Michonne jumps down from the trees and immediately t- kills Tim and Crowley. Yep, gone. Red pants guy. He's on like three episodes. He had one line and he's done. Now we'll never know what he had in his pocket. Never. Like, There's not
1: a chance in hell.
0: <clears throat> nope. You're gonna I, have to. make it I don't even it up. know
1: if it, if it was a uh, a production issue, and uh, for that particular shot, uh, he had his phone in his pocket, and they were taking photographs. And he said, "Go back and do that scene again, and take your damn phone out of your pocket." <laughs> You idiot. And then he did, and that's what made it into the show, and it was only the photograph where he had something in his pocket.
0: Maybe it was like his mic battery pack or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So my uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, specifically (laughs) about this particular item,
1: whatever, Tim, what have you got in your pockets, had in his pocket, I will never know.
0: Never, ever, ever I'm writing him a letter. And he's (laughs) dead now. Write him a letter and find out. Uh, So Tim and Crowley are dead right off the bat. Uh, She runs off after that. And uh, Merle grazes her leg with a shot.
1: I think it went through her hip. No, I think it got grazed her thigh, didn't it? It uh, it was somewhere around there, but later on I was looking for it to find out exactly what that
0: wound was, and I thought there was a hole in the front. I thought it was a through and through near her hip. Okay, that could be it. Um, It was hard to tell really exactly where it hit her, but in in any case it caused a limp and she wasn't quite as mobile as she was before. Seemed very ouchy regardless. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, well, you don't want to get shot. Even grazed with a bullet probably oh, no. doesn't feel that nice. No,
1: nothing to do with guns getting uh, hit. Even, you know, getting pistol whipped is something I definitely don't ever want
0: to have happen to me. <laughs> that might even be worse than getting grazed in the leg. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> getting punched in the face with the butt of a gun. I don't know. It's it's not good. It's uh, e- not good. Either way, steer clear of guns. Uh, Merle chases her, and we go to the opening credits. When we come back from the credits, the camera is panning through the prison. There's dead bodies everywhere. We get the feeling that we're following Rick's path of destruction through yep. the prison. And we can hear Rick talking to a female voice on the phone. Mm-hmm. So we're right back into this. Last episode, we left off with him answering the call. And now the voice is on the phone saying that they are somewhere safe. <clears throat> yeah. Rick asks the voice to take them in, but the voice says she has to talk to the group and says she'll call back in two hours and then hangs up. Right. And Rick is like, what's going on? We need to come and be with you people. Even if it's a thousand miles away, we need to find you. Um, <clears throat> everyone else is in the prison eating lunch or breakfast or a meal, I should a- say. A meal. Uh, Rick comes in, and basically he's all business here. He just gives some orders and doesn't really say hi to anybody just finds out what they've been doing and lets them know he, what he's been doing and then heads off back into the tunnel again. He's pretty cleaned up. And he's very cleaned up. He had a shower or something. I guess so. Um, I I don't know. He did seem to take time to wash up because he was really dirty before that.
1: And nobody asked, why are you going back? Like, are you crazy? They what?
0: tried to. Someone said Rick as he was walking away. I think it might have been Herschel. And, uh, well, that was a Rick don't go, but it's like, I got to get back soon. It's like, dude, for what? Would have been my first thing out of my mouth. Well, he talked about clearing, the, clearing out the bodies, and I think Daryl or Glenn said, we can help you do that. And he said, no, I have to do it. And so that's why he left, to go continue clearing the bodies. All right. Um, and, and before he goes, though, Maggie and Glenn mentioned that they're going to make a run for formula and, I think, ammo that afternoon. Right. Um, we go back to Merle and Neil in the forest, and Neil is freaking out. Merle says that they have to go after Michonne, and he also mentions that she's heading for the red zone. Yeah, the first we've heard of this red zone. He's very red, very zony, very yep. over by the prisony. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. And uh, before they go, he mentions that they never let their own turn, and they stab Crowley and uh, what's his name Tim. in the head. Tim and Crowley. In the Poor head. Tim got it right in the
1: uh, right in the noodle with uh, Merle's right arm.
0: Oh, well, yeah. That's where else are you going to stab him though? Yeah. If you don't want him to turn, I felt bad for Tim. Well, yeah, mostly because he was dead.
1: Mostly because he took a knife to the face. (laughs) Dead or not.
0: At least he was already dead. I felt kind of bad for him. Yeah, I suppose. Um, So that's it. They move on to hunt Michonne some more. We go to Andrea and the governor talking, and she tells him that she didn't like the brutality for fun of the fight from the night before, but that she understands it. Yes. And uh, she asks to work the wall, and he says she can use a bow. And she can learn how to use a bow. Can you use a bow? I can learn.
1: There you go. Like I said, that's the criteria for being in uh, one of the bands I was in. Using a bow? No, wanting to be in the band. Oh, like can I be in your band? (laughs) Sure, come on in. Do you play play anything? anything?
0: (laughs) No, but I can learn. Awesome. There you go. Welcome aboard. Got a gig next week. (laughs) You better start practicing. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what she's going to do with the bow. She's just going to figure it out and be uh, be taught by somebody. We quickly go back to Rick, though. He gets another call. Male voice this time. Mm -hmm. Different voice. I was surprised. Interesting. Uh, The voice asks if Rick has killed anyone. He admits that he's killed four people, but only people who have threatened him. Uh, The voice asks about his wife and then hangs up. Right. Because he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. Um, Interesting that there's a different voice on the phone there.
1: Yeah, uh, because
0: this happened in the comic book. It did. Okay, so that, does that spoil anything for the comic book? No, this the the phone does exist in the comic. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to give away comics, but it does play out a little bit differently. It does a little bit differently. Um, we come back from a commercial, and we have Andrea and I guess her trainer sitting on the wall. Right. Some young mystery woman, right? Her uh, her mentor, her, her bow wall sitting mentor, her bow wielding wall sitting short short wearing mentor. Was she wearing short shorts? Yes. How come I didn't notice that? I don't know. What are you doing, man? I I was looking at the bow. Well, it was an impressive bow. I was like, cool bow. (laughs) Cool bow. I didn't even notice your ass hanging out of your pants. (laughs) Uh, Watch it again. I will. So they're just sitting there chatting, though, about who they've lost. And uh, Andrea talks about her sister and um, short, short, hot pants girl. I'm going to call her that. Hot pants woman. Shorty shorts. Yeah. Talks about her brother and father, I believe. And then suddenly a walker comes up, and Hot Pants Girl fails to take it down with two shots. After going on about how good she is, she was going to be in the Olympics. Yeah. And her dad taught her and took her out hunting all the time. Are you any good? Well, yeah, of course. I'm awesome. I would be in the Olympics. Right. Couldn't hit that. Well, the first one, I think, hit the zombie in the in the shoulder. Yeah. And the second one bounced off and didn't hit him at all.
1: Well, at the last second, the zombie did lurch, I- right? I agree. Now, uh, I didn't notice. It was after her brain told her arm to release the uh, the the arrow. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily fault the second one. But, you know, when she was going for a headshot, which is tricky at the best of times. Oh, yeah.
0: Because you have to go for a headshot, right? This is—bows <clears throat> are awesome. The crossbow that Daryl has is better, though. And he also uses it usually at a much shorter range. Right. Right? A lot easier to hit someone that's 10 feet away— this zombie was probably 50 feet away and down off a wall, Yeah. right? So you have to be a pretty amazing shot with a bow, a composite bow, to hit that zombie in the head. Yeah. But still... She should have been better. She should have been a little For bit better. For all of the crap she was spewing, she should have done better. <clears throat> I can't believe we're complaining about someone not getting a headshot. But That's this, true. But in this case, well... It, Everybody I, else I, gets headshots. I felt like there should have been a headshot. She here.
1: must have been horrible. Absolutely horrendous.
0: <laughs> this is an alternate universe where the worst in, in the discipline go to the Olympics.
1: Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe she was just all talk, and uh, she, uh, she took her father's bow, and it's never picked one up before. Her dad used to take her hunting, and no, you can't use a bow. Uh, you, can, you can hold the, the dead birds, or the partridges I kill, right. or whatever. Yeah. So, or here,
0: hold my quiver. Hand you, me an arrow. You can be <laughs> my basket for the day. That's you right. will hold things for me that I don't want to hold. Pack mule. Yes. Hold my quiver. Do you call it a quiver when it's arrows in a, in a for a composite bow? Yeah. Okay, hold my but quiver. What else would you call it? I don't know. Arrow bag. Arrow bag. Arrow container. Uh, so anyways, she misses twice. Then Andrea says, I'll get this done. Jumps off the wall, runs over, and stabs the walker hand to hand. Ten feet down, off the wall. Well, you That's know. That's a big drop. It's a bit of a drop, but. I don't know. That would I would have been
1: a puddle on the ground crying well, if I had jumped that from that height. But I got bad knees, and just do. the thought of landing uh, from that kind of height just makes me want to curl up and cry.
0: Except that ev- even if you land properly, like go down, bend your knees properly, it'll still kill you. That That's the part that would kill me. Really? Yeah. Oh. The bending of the knees quick. No, it
1: just, It. I would it's the- I would probably rather just fall off backwards and land on my butt oh, God. than land on my, my actual feet. You don't want to land on your back. That no. would not be good. I, I would slide down the wall like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> that's the way I would get down off that wall if I absolutely had to. e <laughs> i That doesn't sound very good either. No, it's not good at all. <laughs> but she jumped down like the su- superhero that she is
0: and uh bounded off to uh, to kill that zombie. I it's it's a hard, it's a far jump. I could probably do it without seriously injuring myself, but I don't think I would feel very good about it. Right? Okay. I would land and I'd have sore heels and ankles and probably knees and stuff, if I was lucky. Worst case, I'd, you know, bust my ankle or something, but I, I would I would cry. All right. Well, hopefully in the zombie apocalypse you could find somewhere oh, safe. I'm so screwed cuz you like, can't run, jump. I've already <laughs> given up. I am done.
1: The only consolation is I would make a very bad zombie, because I wouldn't be able to walk very far.
0: (laughs) So you might become a zombie, but at least you wouldn't
1: take out other people. That's my contribution to the zombie apocalypse, is not being a very good zombie. All right. I'll use you for protection, then. I'll chain you outside my house. If I can
0: help in any way, that'd be fine. All right. Good. (laughs) We go back to Rick. He's waiting by the phone, and Herschel comes in. He thanks him for saving his life and for carrying the group this far, Hmm. is what Herschel says. He also says that Lori was thankful for everything Rick has done. Lori told him this. Good. And uh then Rick tells him about the calls he's getting, which uh which is good, I think. Um, Weird. I wasn't expecting that either. N- no, I wasn't really expecting it because one of the tropes of TV shows is that characters never tell each other important information. Right. If you ever watched Lost, you know this all too well. Yes. Nobody ever said anything—I love the show, but nobody ever said anything of value to each other. Oh, and by the way, there's a hatch. Yeah. You know? By the way, I saw a smoke monster. You know, it's—whatever. Uh, Sorry if we just ruined Lost for somebody, <laughs> but I don't think so. It's been a while <laughs> since Lost has been off the air. It has. But Hersch, uh, But Rick tells Herschel about the calls, and Herschel offers to wait with him, but Rick says no, 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 no. And I'm. Herschel can clearly see that Rick is imagining things here. I think you think I think so. Well, because you pick up the phone, there's no dial tone. He did pick up the phone. All he heard was nothing, or but uh, static. So I think he Hershel, heard static. He did, but static is not a dial tone. No, but it's something. It's electricity flowing through the lines. That's true. So in theory, the phone was functional. Are you sure he heard static? Yeah. Well, I I heard static. I think they were implying that there was static on that line. Interesting. Yeah. There's no other power in that
1: building because they shut the generator off. But then the power comes from the phone company for the phones.
0: Right. Your power can go out and your phones will still work. For Not the a while. Well, yeah, for a while. Um, at least where we live. I don't know if... I assume that's the same everywhere, right? I would assume, yeah. Um, the sort of more, to, more advanced features of today's modern phones don't work, but the actual line is available. Yes. So, I, I don't know. There was some static on that line, but Herschel... It seemed clear to me. Sort of came to realize that this phone isn't really working, and I think Rick is imagining things. And I'm just going to let him deal with his stuff for now. And uh, Herschel kind of nods awkwardly for I don't know what felt like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rick. And then decided to leave. It. Uh, it I gotta was, go lie down. Yeah, exactly. It was it was weird. He seemed a little out of it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> we go to a commercial, and when we come back, Merle and Neil are in the forest again. Michonne sneaks up on them again, and she slashes Neil, but doesn't kill him, and then fights with Merle, and suddenly walkers are all over them. So, okay, so Merle uh, disarmed her. He did, with
1: his his arm knife. With his arm knife and something else. He had something in his left hand. I think it was Uh, his gun. It was his gun, yeah. Yeah, so he disarmed her. She fell, like, jumped on her back Mm -hmm. after that, got in close, and looked like what was supposed to have been a kick to the groin. Yeah, she booted him in the nuts. Yes. But that's not where she booted him. She booted him in the leg, close to it. It was just, a don't know, uh, he went down like he got uh, booted to the nuts, but uh, the shot
0: did not show that. Okay, well, that's a little nitpicky. (laughs) It's a little nitpicky. (laughs) But but I I agree. Um, You're right. it, It wasn't quite perfectly in the crotch. But, you know, I mean, in the heat of the moment, it might be difficult. And, like, with people moving, it might be difficult to actually kick someone there. And I think kicking someone in the upper thigh probably hurts a fair bit too, with like that heavy boot on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. I, it may not have had maximum effect, but yeah, it shown that we're
1: talking about probably effective. She should have hit him in right in the square in the nuts, <laughs> right in the square nuts, <laughs> right in the square in the nuts.
0: <laughs> anyway, he goes down, and then zombies are all over the place. That's right. Um, he's got one on top of him. He does. Uh, Merle does. Michonne uh, crawls to her sword just as the zombie is getting to her, spins around, slices, and the zombie's intestines and guts pour out all over her. So it, it empties it its em- cavity onto, onto her, her like chest. Yes. It was disgusting. It was pretty gross. It was gross. Um, I don't know. This might have been this week's like gore moment. Yeah. Which we've been getting every episode. Can you Simpler? imagine how bad that would have smelled? Oh God, so nasty! And like, I, it went in her mouth, and like, yeah, you could sell, you you could tell. Even the actress was kind of grossed out about that scene. Than very, I, very nasty. I probably didn't smell that bad in real life. No, like, but the, but uh, just a smell of like decayed. Well, I'm sure it didn't smell intestines. that bad, but it's still disgusting. Like in the moment, I mean, I'll go make up some. You know, how about I go mix up some bloody chunky sausage and pour it all over you? <laughs> Doesn't I haven't sound, had dinner. Doesn't sound too uh, appetizing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's pretty gross.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, she's got guts all over her. Neil then saves Merle by taking out the zombie that's on top of him. And uh, Merle gets up and stabs one up through the chin. Yep. It was awesome. He pulls a Merle. That's the Merle move. That is the Merle move, the chin stab. Yep. And he can do it without even looking. Yes. Um, so we go to Daryl, Carl, and Oscar searching through the prison. They are clearing out some of the lower levels, they said earlier in the episode. And Daryl tells Carl the story of how his mother died. She was smoking in bed, it started a fire, and she burned to death. Yeah. There was nothing left, and he said it didn't feel real. And then Carl says, I shot my mother, I ended it, it was real. It felt real. <laughs> it felt real. Um, this whole moment I thought was... You know, a little bit of a weird story for Daryl to tell Carl, considering everything that had just happened. But I thought it was a nice moment between the characters. It was. I mean, it was a bonding moment. I lost my mom. You lost your mom. Mm -hmm. It's a real bitch. Yeah, it's it sucks, and it was a bonding moment, like you said. And I think um, Norman Reedus said in an interview that you know Daryl thinks of Carl like a little brother, kind of right. He's not a father figure to him like Shane was. But he's little. He's like their brothers, little brother kind of thing. I get that. Yeah. And and I think he said that that uh, you know Daryl is kind of like a grown up who's a bit of a kid, and Carl is a kid who's a bit of a grown up. True, he's, he's had to be. So that's sort of brought them to common ground somewhat. Right. I think that's interesting. It was it, is. A, it was a nice scene, even if it was a bit of a weird story to tell a kid who just shot his mom in the head. Right. Um. So we go over to the governor who's sitting at his desk writing hash marks in his journal. Mm-hmm. He's just writing those hash marks. Just don't know what they mean, but he's putting them in there. Well, I kind of get this,
1: <sighs> and on a little bit of a level. When I'm stressed out, I tend to do things like doodle, right? I'll uh, I'll doodle or I'll I'll do things that—it's uh, my obsessive-compulsive disorder again. It's just it's organizing things, right? Right. So the doodles I'll do, and, and the more stressed out I am, the more of these doodles I'll I'll do. Mm-hmm. So, in a post apocalyptic world where your brain just kind of goes snap, I can kind of see this. I don't think it would uh, manifest itself quite in this manner for me, but uh, I, I kind of understand that obsessive just doing right. something to ch- just organize something, to have control over something, just to. So, I sort of get it, but. Uh... It's pretty nuts.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can see what you mean. I mean, people like—it's he it's, its the one thing he can control, Yeah, right? Or at least fully control. Yes. <laughs> he tries to control everything. But he's just sitting there writing these marks, and um, Andrea comes in to be sort of reprimanded for jumping over the wall. Did you notice that uh, behind him uh, he has many leather-bound books? Many expensive leather-bound books. It sure looked uh, like he has uh, quite the setup there. I am going to uh I'm going to speculate that those books were there when he moved into that apartment and yeah. uh, he's just sort of adopted them as them as his own. I just think it's neat. It is neat. He's got some fancy art on the wall too, which uh we'll get to in listener feedback a little bit. Cool. Uh righty. So what happens? And, oh, Andrea yeah. comes in. Andrea comes in and she's like, "Yeah, I know what you're going to say." And he says, "We don't go over the wall." Um and uh and, and he says, we don't need you to work on the wall anymore. He basically takes the privilege away from her. Well, and deservedly so. Well, she like, she again, broke the rules.
1: It's a perfectly, in my mind, a perfectly reasonable response to what happened. I can't trust you on the wall. Mm-hmm. The rule is you don't jump off the wall. Mm-hmm.
0: You broke the rule. You don't go on the wall. You're done. You you had your chance. You, you blew it. Now you can go work in the mines. That's right. Um, before they're done talking, though, she admits to liking the fights but not Liking that she liked it. Right. Uh, and uh, they agree that she's starting to like the governor. It was—this whole scene, it didn't work for me very well. No, it was a little awkward. Like, I don't know how quite
1: how they got to, are you saying that I like you, or whatever that was. It, yeah. It didn't quite get there yet for me.
0: No, I don't think so. So, um, I had a lot of problems with the Andrea governor stuff in this whole episode, but there's even more of it later, so, um— Bottom line is they, they talk about that, about how she starts to like him. We go back to Merle and Neil in the forest. They're talking about going home, and uh, but Neil really wants to go after Michonne. Yeah. And Merle's like, no, no, no. She's going to the red zone. We've injured her. She's as good as dead. Let's let her go. Um, and Merle wants to lie to the governor and tell him that Michonne is in fact dead. Right. But Neil says, nope, don't want to lie. So they disagree, and Merle kills him. That's
1: what happens when you dis- disagree with Merle.
0: It is. Uh, Don't disagree with the man with the spiked hand. (laughs) As soon as he opened his mouth at the beginning of this episode, I knew he was dead. Well, here's the thing about this episode, and I posted this on our Facebook page right after. Um, Does it feel to anyone else like any new character, any sort of new minor character who gets a line on this show is toast? Yeah, pretty much. You know, Tim, Red Pants Tim finally had a line, and he's dead. Uh Crowley may not have said anything, but he was introduced and he's dead. Yeah. Um, as soon as he—yeah, the second, the second he said, go back, I'm like, oh, he might as well have been wearing a red shirt. Well, exactly. Might as well have been wearing the red shirt. These are the red shirts of this show. And it's not the first time that it's happened. It's like, yeah. you know, even the, the five prisoners they introduced at the prison, three of them are killed in the, like ten minutes later. Yeah, but we have two that are still alive. We do have two that are still alive. One we,
1: not in the episode. He was off doing something.
0: Working on the generators, Daryl said. Oh, right, that was um, Jasper. N- yes, Axel. <laughs> Axel. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper. Someday, slash Axel. someday We'll get a Jasper. someday. Uh, but but I just feel like they they you know they go out with four people from Woodbury, and you just know none of them are coming back except the main character. And I wish they wouldn't do that. <sighs> Well, Michonne's got to take out a crew, right? You can't just have,
1: uh, you know, them going out hunting Michonne, and then Michonne gets away, and then they go back. It's got to be a thing, right? It's got to be. Uh, she's got to, uh, even though Merle lied about it. Ultimately, she's got to make them pay for something, right? She's got to make them pay, and then she's
0: got to pay. It also develops Michonne's character too. Shows that she's ruthless. Yeah, she will. Um, you know, she will not hesitate to kill those who, who are not on her side, for lack of a better way of putting it. Right. Um, and she killed a living person, too. Two she of them. She did, yeah. Uh, she didn't just kill zombies. So, that it, I mean, I, I get that that sort of develops her character in a little bit uh, of a way that you couldn't do otherwise, but still, I just wish some of these characters would become more than just fodder, you know? Oh,
1: they will. Well, not we got th- some people not in not Woodbury Tim. that's... <laughs> That's still kicking around.
0: We do. We got uh the pregnant lady who we haven't met yet. Yep. Oh and, and I guess Julie the Greeter didn't uh d- hasn't died yet. No, she that, hasn't died. That we know of.
1: And we got introduced to uh short pants bow lady. Oh yeah, you're right. Short shorty short bow lady. She didn't die. No, but I bet you she will. I don't I ha- think we'll ever see her again. Honestly. Uh, yeah, maybe. Andrea's not on
0: the wall anymore. That lady's on the wall. She's done. I think I don't think we'll ever see her again. That, I don't know. I it occurred to me that she could be someone who has appeared in the novels slash or maybe the comic books. Um But we didn't get her name in this episode, so we don't really know who she is. Right. But I, I just had a feeling they might be introducing another one of the sort of secondary characters. But in that case, she's probably going to die. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, we go to a commercial, so Neil's dead, we go to commercial, we come back, Michonne is in the forest, walkers approach, she reaches for her sword, but they just pass right by. Right. Because she's covered in gore. She's covered in gore. It is the gore effect. Yeah. That's what I'm calling this. She is camo-gored. Camo-gored, that's better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We go to Rick, he gets another call, we get a different female voice now. Yeah. Different from the first female voice, and she uses Rick's name. And he questions her, and then he hangs up. Mm -hmm. Strange phone calls. Strange phone calls. Michonne limps into a town, and while she's hiding, she sees Glenn and Maggie drive up on their supply run. Mm -hmm. They get out of their car, and Maggie remarks that it's a beautiful day, and they have a quick kiss before Glenn goes into a building to get some supplies. They open the door, and birds fly out. Birds fly out. And then we get this weird shot from Inside the building, looking out at Maggie, who doesn't come in, but she's talking to Glenn, who's gone in past the camera. It was a weird shot, I thought. She's on Overwatch. She doesn't go in. Well, that makes sense, but you'd think you'd get her perspective looking into the building. I don't know why. I just felt like that's that's what you would normally see, and this was uh, probably a conscious choice to flip it around on us. Well, it's also you know light to dark
1: versus dark to light, right? If they were if it was her perspective looking in, it would you'd be looking into a dark building. You probably wouldn't see a whole lot. This way, you're looking out from a dark building, and you yeah. have lots of
0: sunlight to look at. I agree, but she also made reference to something that. Glenn was supposed to pick uh, up that duck. we never see. Pick get, up, the, get the duck. Pick up the duck. Get exactly. the duck. <laughs> it was it was strange. But... With the birds
1: flying out, I thought she meant it was a real duck at first. Well, they could eat that. I'm like, get the duck. It's like, what do you mean, get the duck? <laughs> <laughs> There's a duck in there Yeah, that didn't fly out? I'm like,
0: were they ducks that flew out? Why are ducks inside a building? I think they were crows. They were black, I it believe. It was weird. Anyways. Um, so then we see Andrea and the governor standing around his private garden. That's Mm -hmm. the best way I can describe it. They're drinking and chatting about life before and after the zombie outbreak. Um, and he says that he wants to be right here, right now. This is where life is good Yeah, for him. Like, all right, you crazy bastard. Some people survive, some people thrive. He's a thriver. Um... And uh, he says that she doesn't have to be ashamed about liking the fight. It's it's what it's like to be alive right now. Right. <clears throat> they seem to have talked about this already, but they continue talking about it some more. Um, he, he tells her that, you know, she's made it in this world so that they can eat, drink, and be merry, and then they end up kissing. Yep. So there you go. Uh, this scene... Didn't work for me either, to be quite honest you with you. You don't think so? No, I, I don't think any of these Andrea Governor scenes worked very well. It felt awkward. It felt... Well, sometimes it's like that, though. It felt You're just... You're hanging out, you know there's an attraction
1: there, you just kind of say stupid things, and then she says stupid things, and you end up kissing. It
0: happens. But don't you think it's... Yeah, maybe. Don't you think it's a bit of a uh, an easy reversal for her to be so appalled by the the fight the night before... And now be like, oh, it wasn't so bad. Come make out with me. Oh, I don't know. Some some girls uh, like the bad boys, but don't like that they like the bad boys. And that's kind of what she's saying, I guess. But I don't know. I didn't. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And you know, the whole they made this joke too about uh, they pour. He pours the whiskey, and he said, "So when was the last time?" And she gives him a funny look. He's like, "Oh, I mean, um, I'm not not since you did it, since you had such good whiskey." I'm right. like, "Oh, please, this is so stupid. Like, I I didn't like it
1: at know. all. Sometimes that kind of garbage crap worked for me in the past. Just spewing garbage, knowing full well that it doesn't matter what you say, as long as you say something. You mean in real life? In real life? Okay. <laughs> I like you meant in in TV shows? No, in, like the some of the shit that come had came out of my mouth some days.
0: Well, for some uh, reason, sometimes it worked a lot of times it did not, and it was just awkward crap, and it just went nowhere to, i I just felt like the writers were just ham fisting in this 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 goofy little awkward moment to try to portray that these people were feeling an attraction, and it was kind of uncomfortable for okay. them. Now, I have to agree with you there. In real life, there's a lot of awkward crap that people
1: talk about that end up, and people get together all the time, even though there's just garbage that comes out of their mouth. Right. They've got a team of writers writing this stuff. You'd think that they would be a little more eloquent. Yeah, a little more eloquent. I don't even expect, you know, extreme eloquence, or just yeah, at least
0: have it make sense and not and seem natural rather than this awkward, weird conversation. It didn't feel natural. It right. didn't feel natural to me. It felt like it was written not spoken, you know, by real people. Right. And that's what I, what I didn't like about it. I don't know how many times I can tell you that uh, I have
1: uh, wished that I had a team of writers that would write my conversations, but the only problem
0: with that is that they would need to write both sides of the conversation. Yes, and that's tricky for real life. Yeah, so finally. <laughs> now, you could find a, a musician to score your real life, walk around behind you with a banjo and That'd just be fun. play music every day. Oh, Color go. Girls. Color commentation.
1: Uh, Leonard Cohen had that. All he did was talk, and he had uh, backup singers singing everything he said.
0: Sounded great. There you go, commentators. <laughs> and here's Jason approaching the uh, the work meeting, the, biz- the business meeting. He's That's wearing right. a nice looking shirt today with uh, fine shoes. That's right. He's going to choose the seat by the window and get as close <laughs> as he can to the conference phone. Sometimes I do that just to entertain my wife. <laughs> She loves it. It sounds hilarious. (laughs) It's just, all you do is uh, just say
1: everything you're thinking. Absolutely everything you're you're thinking and narrate everything you do. could get you in trouble if you say
0: everything you think. Well, you have to be selective. You can't say everything. (laughs) Radical honesty is never a great idea. You said everything. (laughs) Um, Okay, where were we? So, oh, we go back to Glenn and Maggie, and they're loading stuff back in their car. Mm -hmm. And Michonne overhears them talking about the prison. Uh, I don't think they mentioned the prison. They just said back at the... Did they not actually mention the prison? I think they just said back. I think they did, and that's how, later on, she knows where to go. All right. Anyhow, Merle walks up out of nowhere, and everybody draws their guns, points them at each other. Michonne is hiding behind a parked car a little ways away. Glenn, of course, recognizes Merle, tells him that Daryl is still alive, and Merle wants to go with, uh, like... Go with them, but Glenn says, you wait here, and I'll tell Daryl to come out and find you. Okay, two things. Yes. One, uh, why is Merle here? Well, he's on his way back to Woodbury. Okay, they, he, I assume he was
1: on his way back to their car, because they didn't walk all the way from Woodbury to this
0: place, right? Uh, to where they were hunting Michelle. Michelle. To be honest, I didn't think about it. I figured they did walk out and track her, because she wasn't driving, she was on foot. Okay, so he's looking for a car. He's looking for a car or he's going the wrong way because you think Michonne wouldn't be going back towards Woodbury. No, she's be going, going towards the red zone. Right. So, so what's he doing?
1: He's looking for a car in the red zone or towards the red zone?
0: Yeah, I guess so. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it it doesn't make sense. If he was going to walk back, you'd think he wouldn't be anywhere near them anymore. Exactly. Why is he here? Right. So he's there. I don't know why he's here. Okay, so, and the second thing
1: is, uh, let me give uh, all, all the listeners a piece of advice. If you and a buddy... Have uh, firearms, and you're pointing it at somebody who is potentially dangerous. Mm -hmm. Spread out. A little bit more than they were, yes. Do not bunch up. Spread out so that you can't get attacked both at the same time. Right. That way—and don't let him get anywhere near you where he can sprint within uh, less than half a second
0: to get anywhere near you. Well, here's the next thing that happens. So Merle shoots— He breaks the back windshield of their car, which they're standing in front of. It's a Jimmy, okay? It is, I think so. All right. Glenn takes cover and runs around the other side of the car, but by then, Merle has Maggie on the ground with a gun to her head. Right? Did it feel like this happened? This was a little too easy for Merle. It was too easy, and he telegraphed his motion
1: uh, way too soon. Like he he was going for his gun. Uh in my opinion, Glenn had enough time to go back to the prison, make a sandwich, eat it, come back, and
0: then stop Merle from uh sh- taking a shot. Okay. Um I, I see your point. It did seem like, you know, Merle you know, took some time to take that shot and but then when you know when he did lunge towards them, I feel like he it it basically happened instantaneously for him to get Maggie on the ground oh, with, yeah. with the gun. It, it, this scene didn't really ring true for me either, to, uh, to be honest. It felt like it was too easy for him to do this. And there were two of them and one of Merle. Yeah. When he you know, goes to shoot, one of them would have fired a round yeah. and hit him because he was right yeah. there. <clears throat> Fingers on the trigger. Mm-hmm. If you make any sudden moves, I'm going to pull the trigger. He made a sudden move. Yeah, exactly. And even if he got that shot off, which he, let's just say for the sake of argument he might have— he would have been shot probably in the chest yeah, and not yeah. survived this. Yet, neither of them get a shot off because, you know, both of them decide instead of firing to cower and basically fall backwards behind the car, and uh, he got the better of both of them. It, I You know, I don't want to complain too much, and I don't want to nitpick too much, but this didn't feel right to me either. I'd have shot him. Yeah. Well, most people would have, you know? Most people would have. So, and and even if... Even if, say, Glenn took a shot, Maggie would have fired on Merle. Like he can't shoot both of them at the same time, right? Yeah. So S- spread out, spread out a little bit, and just react. Yeah. Um, but Michonne witnesses all of this, and uh, uh, oh, and, and Merle decides that he is going to make Glenn drive them back to Woodbury. I so think that was the plan all along. He's now got two prisoners.
1: Like he, he, he I don't think he was going to say, you know, take me to Daryl. I think he was telling them that in order to get into the car. Once he got into the car, then he'd be like, okay, we're going somewhere else now. Yes. Uh, So uh, this is, I think in his mind, he's like, this is the proof. You know, is Daryl alive? Yes. This is the proof I'm going to take back to the governor so that the governor has to come with me to find him. Exactly. We can take a whole team
0: to yes. get to get Daryl. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I guess he just wanted to try to come off as a kind of a nice guy at first, is what he was trying to do. Right. Hey, remember me? I mean, I'm good, you know. But uh, it, that didn't go so well. So. I was
1: also expecting a drop the knife, I can't, kind of thing like we had. Oh in, uh, yeah, because <laughs> he had the he had a shirt over his stump, right? Uh-huh. So it wasn't to me. It wasn't terribly clear. It's somebody who hasn't seen Merle in a long time. I mean, sure. You know, intellectually, you know, he uh, doesn't have his right hand anymore because, you know, Daryl's probably still got it in his pocket someplace. Right. So, you know, I would
0: have said drop the knife, but, you know, why did he have the shirt over the thing? Well, I wasn't sure about that either, and my first thought is he's hiding something under there. I guess he was just hiding his stump. I don't know. I think he was just carrying his shirt. But he was wearing a shirt too, so this was this this an extra shirt that he found? Extra shirt, yeah. Maybe he took Neil's shirt. He needed to go. He needed
1: to go shopping. That's why he came here.
0: Or you know what? Maybe he was wearing a a different shirt earlier, and you know, shirts are hard to come by in the zombie apocalypse. So he didn't want to just leave it, even if it was torn up and bloody. That's why he came to town to go shopping. He needed another shirt. Clothes shopping. There you go. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of shopping for clothes. We go to a commercial and come back. Daryl, Oscar, and Carl are in the prison again. Oscar finds some slippers. Yeah. So he found an article. It's still little things in life. It is. End of the day, relaxing. He says, I need slippers. Yeah. I've never been a slipper guy. You you, you a slipper guy? Nope, not a slipper guy. No. I'm barely a sock guy. Uh, Yeah, yeah me too. Although I, I, the feet get cold sometimes. No, but socks uh, come off
1: as soon as they get home.
0: All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh while they're in there getting the slippers, a walker comes up behind them. They turn around and all fire at it.
1: Well, it's because all three of them are an enclosed space with only one exit.
0: Right. Dumbasses. And they all fire waste ammo when Daryl easily could have just arrowed it and been done with it. Overfocused on slippers. Ooh, slippers. We found slippers. Let's look at the slippers. Hey, let's all get into this little tiny room and look at the slippers. Yeah. Now, to be fair, they were startled by the zombies, so it's it was sort of a reaction from all of them. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta be you got to be more level-headed than that. Uh, Did we have uh, two firearms go off or one? We had Carl shoot, Oscar shoot, and Daryl crossbow it. That's a lot of noise for a concrete room that's about six feet by three feet. They'd have some ear ringing going on, I think. That would be uh, very startling. Yeah, it would. But anyways, they kill the zombie, and then they find a knife through its neck, and Daryl says that it's Carol's knife. Through its goiter. You see the size of its goiter under its
1: neck? Oh,
0: nasty was it an actual goiter or was it just a fat
1: neck it was no it was it looked like a goiter but that's where the it was just a you know prosthetic
2: well yeah i know the, that.
1: the actor <laughs> didn't have a goiter i'm pretty sure but you know, it looked like it was this big goiter thing and a
0: knife was through the goiter the important part is it was carol's, carol's knife. knife right uh, we go to rick though he gets another phone call a new female voice and this time it was clear to me as soon as i heard it whose voice it was yeah me too it's laurie's voice She tells him that the other voices he was talking to was Amy, Jim, and Jackie, Mm -hmm. Andrea's sister, who died in the campsite, Jim, who they left by the side of the road, and Jackie, who blew up in the CDC. Yep. Rick realizes he's imagining things, and he breaks down. He tells Lori, or he tells the phone, that he loves her and that he was planning to keep her alive and then fix their relationship issues when there was time. yeah was kind of sad because obviously he never got the time to do that after this the conversation doesn't really progress very much because she starts to break up and cut out and and uh, eventually he just hangs up yeah this was him symbolically coming back to sanity i'm surprised they did this in one episode it does uh me too i mean i'm surprised also it does (laughs) (laughs) it does (laughs) i am (laughs) yes exactly uh, yes, uh, it could have played out a little bit longer, although I'm glad they did it in one episode. Are you? I wouldn't have wanted Rick to be walking around with a phone all the time. It it wouldn't have worked on TV, in my opinion. You don't think so? No, I mean, the phone could have stayed there, but that means they would have been in the prison, and every episode we'd get a shot of him going into the boiler room to pick up the phone and talk to his dead wife. Um, We might get that anyway, now that we know
1: what uh, what the phone is all about. He may, you know, have moments of weakness <laughs> where he goes back and
0: the phone rings. He, I suppose that's possible, but I I don't think they are going to go there. I think they've implied that, you know, he realized it was in his mind. He, you know, he said what he had to say, and this brought him back to the real world. Right. And that's what they sort of implied with her starting to cut out on the phone, right? He's, he's going from a totally insane place, back to a sane place, and he can no longer talk to her on that phone because he's not crazy anymore. Okay. Um, and then the next thing he does, too, is go and get the baby from from Carl, right. which was the sort of completion of his transformation back into sane Rick. Right. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to say about the, phone, the final phone scene is I thought the sound design was really, really well done mm-hmm. in this scene. The... Um, as she's kind of starting to cut out, there was this sort of pulsating type static sound that was that was on the phone line that was growing and growing and getting louder and louder. Then suddenly it stops. He's sane again. He hangs up. And then some pipes creak in the, in the prison that sort of sounded like the yeah. same noise pattern that was on the phone. And I thought it was really, really well done, as That's if it cool. was just like the prison talking to him, you yeah. know? And I really thought it was pretty cool. Neat, neat, neat. We cut back to the governor. He's now in bed with Andrea. They have done the deed. Given her the advanced class. He's given her the advanced class. Knock on the door, and it's Merle. Merle tells him that everybody in his group was killed, but that they got Michonne. Yep. So he tells the governor Michonne is dead. Um, The governor also asks if he brought back her head and her sword. Merle lies um, and said they couldn't because they were caught by walkers, and the other guys had that stuff. Yeah. Bad, bad lie. Yeah. I, you know Well, you know, I watched the episode, so I saw right
1: through it. Yes.
0: But I don't think I would have bought it anyway. Uh, to- I, I guess not, no. But uh, that's going to come back to bite him in the ass probably. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, but he says, he tells the governor that he's brought back something better, two more people from the Atlanta group. Yep. So that's exciting. Um, We go back into the prison kitchen. Rick comes in, as I mentioned, and he's finally ready to hold his baby. Uh, Carl is here, so I guess Daryl brought Carl back. Because <laughs> last time we saw Carl, he was out with Daryl hunting, or, the, you know, hunting he, the prison. he Shoot him along. He's like, okay, now you go back. I guess so. Um, I told you my story. Go back and have some lunch. I need some alone time with my uh, my Carol's knife. With my with Carol's knife. That's right. Um, this scene where Rick picks up the baby, I think. You know, on one hand, it was kind of a nice scene of a father meeting, really meeting his daughter for the first time, but I don't know if they meant to cause this reaction in me, but when he picked up the kid, I felt more dread and stress about anything (laughs) almost than I ever have on this TV show. Yeah, It suddenly all came over me like, oh my God, they've got a baby. A baby is the most innocent and helpless thing there is in the world. Yep. In, you know, and they're stuck in a prison, there's zombies everywhere, all this bad stuff is about to happen. They've got a baby. This is just so uncool. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a father a couple of times over. Yes. Did this baby look like it was a day and a half, 2 days old? Uh, no. They this is this is a TV thing. Babies come out, they're like 4 months old and then before you know it they're even older. Yeah. Uh no, the baby was not that was not that young, but you just have to put that aside. Is that a trope? It is a TV trope. Yeah. You can't use Babies, newborns. Yeah, and uh, people heal real fast.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, what's his eyebrow said? Santa Claus. There was uh, he's up and about quite a bit for somebody who had his uh, leg emergency amputated like not three days ago. Yeah, and you know? and spending that amount of time sitting up is uh, would be very painful mm-hmm. because uh, that puts a lot of blood pressure on the wound, and that would be uh, exceedingly painful. That's why you keep it elevated. Yeah.
0: Lie down, yes. old man. Well, sure. So people heal really fast. <laughs> Babies are never as young as they should be. But this whole thing just made me totally stressed out and feel bad, even though I, it was supposed to probably make people feel good that oh, Rick was coming. I'm like, oh, it's a finally a, now. finally a nice moment. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't nice at all. Born on a prison boiler floor. To a world of zombies. To a world of zombies, but daddy's here. We go back to Daryl. He's now sitting in a prison hall, stabbing the floor, yep. and uh, a nearby cell door is banging. This they is one it, they yeah, saw it earlier. They saw it earlier. That's right. And he found Carol's knife, so I think he realizes what's in there, and he is expecting to find zombie Carol in there, right? And he's psyching himself up to go in there and put her down, right? Now, when he when they first saw this, and it's like ah,
1: it's one or two. They don't have much fight in them. I'll come back later and deal with it. It's like. Well, Daryl, what if it's an opossum or a squirrel or something? That's potential food inside that door. I don't think he
0: would have left it. And you don't leave a zombie behind you. No, I agree. If he really thought it was a zombie, you, you take that out. But I guess he thought the door was wedged closed enough with that body that it wasn't getting out of there. We'll come back for it later. Anyway, I guess plot device-wise, they kind of had to. They needed this, right. <clears throat> so they hear the zombie earlier. Now he finds Carol's knife, and he's like, oh, crap. That's that's her. I'm going to have to go in and kill her. So it's, it's his friend, and he doesn't want to do this. So he's sitting there psyching himself up. He pulls the walker out of the way, opens the door, and it's living Carol. Yep. It's not dead zombie Carol. No scarf. No, no scarf. So she either... <laughs> she went back and dropped it. She went back and dropped it, or it's gone somewhere else. I don't know. Um, I'm glad to see her alive. Yeah, absolutely. I think most people probably are glad to see her alive. Yep. I don't think her character had reached its full potential in the show yet, so good good to have her back. Its conclusion. That's right. Uh so he picks her up and he carries her out. We cut immediately to a scene of Rick carrying the baby outside the prison. Yep. Um nice I don't know, nice editing, directing production here where they cut from, you know, Daryl carrying one character to Rick carrying the baby. Yep. I fully expected Daryl to walk out a different door carrying Carol and everyone would like have a nice happy moment. New baby, Carol's found, everything's great. Yeah. But that didn't happen. No. Instead, Rick sees something off in the distance. What's that? What's that over there? What and is that? he He hands the baby to Carl. Walks down towards the fence, and we see Michonne standing outside the fence amongst the walkers.
1: With a basket full of baby formula. Yes. Powder.
0: She brought the f- powdered formula that uh, Glenn and Maggie found, but left there when they got abducted by Merle. Well, that was nice of her. It was very nice of her. And this is why I th- I'm pretty sure they mentioned prison, um, because she knew where to go. Right. Um, and I guess she's, uh, baby formula, like, oh my God, they have a baby. I need to deliver this to them or the baby will go hungry. Right. So and she needs help herself. She does need help. She's been shot in the leg mm-hmm. or somewhere. And the episode's over. Yep. So there you go. Michonne shows up at the prison. We've had a uh, a character location swap. Yes, we have. It's a two for one trade, though. It, yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, you know, Michonne had the baby formula, so it's uh, You're was right. a. You're right. Fair trade. It was a it was a fair trade. Michonne and some baby formula for Glenn and Maggie. And Maggie, <clears throat> um, and you know what. Rick and the gang at the prison might have actually even won that trade. <laughs> when you think about Michonne and baby formula, I don't know. It's Rick and Maggie just stand around doing it all day. Or Glenn, li- uh, sorry, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn and Maggie lie around doing it all day. Right. Sure, they dig graves and go on supply runs, but really, I don't know how useful. It's, are it's they? hard to you know gauge fair trade when people get exchanged in this manner. If this was... Taken
1: prisoner versus just kind of showing up uh, with baby formula.
0: Okay, take the prisoner aspect out of it altogether. If this was um, some sort of uh, game or sports thing where there actually were trades, I would make this deal. If this was... If I had a fantasy Walking Dead League... And we should start one. Yes, we should. <laughs> <laughs> and I had Glenn and I had Maggie on my team, and somebody else had Michonne and a basket a baby formula on their other team, I might make that deal. I'm just saying. That's harsh. Now that I think about it, That's I, harsh. Think, I think I would make that trade. You know? You're
1: trading people's lives here.
0: You're trading Glenn and Maggie into the hands of Merle
1: and the governor.
0: Yeah, but I'm I'm not thinking that deep. Right. I'm just thinking, you have a team, I have a team, okay? And... I need baby formula and Michonne. And I need prisoners to torture and uh no, you, get information. You, out you of. need people who are good at, at going on supply runs and digging graves and sort of the that are also pretty good at killing zombies. Yep. You know? Um can't spread out to save their lives though. No, but everyone <laughs> has their drawbacks. Michonne is shot in the leg. I mean that's, that's that true. takes her down a notch right there, at least temporarily. I think it's a good trade. Uh, If you think it's a good trade, listeners, let us know, or let us know what you think about that trade in general. So that's it for this episode. Overall, pretty good episode, except, in my opinion, for the Andrea Governor stuff. Yeah. It bothered me. And I I am really looking forward to that whole thing ending somehow, whether it blows up in a massive explosion of awesomeness, or— They get married and have kids. Or they get married and have kids and ride happily after, after into the sunset. Whatever. I just want it to be over. Whatever. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure it will in the next two episodes. You think so? Yeah, I think so. My prediction for the next two episodes is that our cliffhanger for episode number eight, before the hiatus, will somehow be related to these two groups coming together, or or that will be the point at which they come together. Right. We've got to pull the trigger on uh, the governor being a down-and-out bad guy. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, We've got some, some feedback about people who don't uh, quite see it, the same way you do or we do. Really? Uh, So we'll get to that in a minute. Cool. I look forward to that. There you go. Before we do that, though, we are going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Uh, So as I said, we've got listener feedback coming up. And before that, we're going to mix it up a little and do holy crap. Did you see that? Really? First. So stay tuned. We will be right back. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you can have the opportunity to check out their service. We always like to recommend a book, of course, and Jason, that's uh, what you do best, so what have you got this week?
1: I'm so excited about this, uh, because you mentioned this uh, earlier on in this episode of the podcast, uh, how much you hated this show. So I'm going to recommend a Game of Thrones song (laughs) of Ice and Fire book one.
0: Quickly, for the record, I did not hate Game of Thrones. I was unable to get into it, and I gave up. But someday I do intend on going back and watching it. However, the novels, I hear, are fantastic. My wife has read the novels. She thought
1: they were great. I know a couple other people that have read them and thought they were great. I've been holding off on getting these in Audible because they've been two credits. Mm-hmm. They are now one credit each. Interesting. It dropped down. I'm so happy. I Actually, I bought them uh, earlier today after... I got here. I needed something to listen to on the way home because I ran out of book. I finished It by Stephen King, and I needed something new, and I was looking through my wish list, and I saw that uh, these were now one credit, so I bought the first two books. There you go. So it's uh, A Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, book one by George R.R. R. Martin, narrated by Roy, ooh, Dotrice.
0: He comes in at the whopping 33 hours and 50 minutes. Nice, thick books. Fantastic to download any of the Game of Thrones books, now that they are one credit, um, you can go over to audibletrialcom Trial dot com slash talking dead. That's audibletrialcom dot com slash talking dead and get a free audiobook. Sweet. Did you see that? Alrighty, so we got a bunch of holy crap did-you-see-that moments, uh, mostly, if not, uh, no, not entirely, but mostly from episode 5, the one before. Uh, We're going to do those ones first. First of all, a call from Patrick in Oregon.
3: Hey, my name is Patrick Ferrari uh, from Albany, Oregon. And um, I'm a week behind, but um, my holy crap did-you-see-that moment was... um, I know a lot of people, I knew a lot of people were going to say that um, Michonne going kind of ape crazy on those uh, zombies with their holy crap. Did you see that moment? But uh, mine was right before she laid into them, she smashes the lock off, walks back, and then has this super, like, evil grin on her face, this, like... I've been waiting to release this out of me for a while kind of moment. And I just, man, that was my holy crap. Did you see that moment when she just had that grin on her face before she crushed those zombies? So thanks. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, love your podcast. And uh, can't wait um, every Monday till it comes out.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. So uh, Michonne's sheer joy at being able to kill zombies. Yep. She really likes the fight, and she likes that she likes the fight. Yes, and she hadn't done it for a while, so yeah. she needed to She needed to kill something there. Yeah. Uh, next, that was a good moment. It was a really good one, for sure. And then what it led into with her just absolutely decimating those zombies was awesome. Yeah. Next one comes from Craig in Georgia.
1: Hey guys, this is Craig down in Georgia. Uh, I just want to call in with my oh crap, did you see that moment, and it has to be uh, Daryl. I had a lot to choose from, but Daryl is starting to take over for the group, uh, as you guys, I'm sure, have seen. It seems like he's starting to make some of the decisions and, and uh, starting to care a little bit more for the group than being an outsider. So uh, I just wanted to call in. Love the show, guys. Thanks a lot, and keep listening. Thank you.
0: Cool. Thank you, Craig. So this has been a um, this has been a slow, a long transformation for Daryl. I think mm-hmm. you know he's been he's been becoming a bigger part of this group for a while. But um, lately, even with Rick sort of being absent, you know, he's been doing some stuff. and, And I think this also is leading to a pretty interesting conflict between him and his brother when they do finally come together. Yeah. So there you go. Michael from Arkansas wrote in... Uh, take a look at the woman handing out lemonade around 40 seconds into episode five, Say the Word. Looks like Lori, right? Not trying to say it's her, but look at the resemblance. Weird. Very weird. Do you remember that? No, not at all. Right at the t- right off the top in the cold open from last week's episode um, when um, Milton is getting the, the drink to bring to Andrea, Yeah. The, gr- the woman who gives it to him really, really looks like Lori. That is weird. And when I was watching, the first thing I thought was, that's Lori, and this is a flashback. But then it quickly you realize it's not true, and it's just some other woman who really looks like her. Huh. So I don't know. I don't know. It's her body double or something that they gave a role to.
1: <laughs> yeah, casting must have got that weirdly wrong.
0: It was weird. Like, maybe in real life she looks nothing like her, but for whatever reason in that scene she really, really did. Huh. Will from the internet writes in, Hey, guys, my holy crap, did you see that moment from episode five? Is the gun bag in the governor's house. When Michonne is snooping in his house, the camera cut quickly, and you can see a gun bag that says "Sheriff" on it. Do you think this is Rick's gun bag? And how do you think the governor got it? Oh, so I I, I know the scene he's talking about. Do you? I do remember. I remember, I, yeah, it? I remember uh, it. The fact that there was a gun bag kind of flashes
1: true in my head. Like, yes. So I remember that. I don't remember it saying "Sheriff" on it though.
0: Neither do I, to be honest. But I'm going to take Will's uh, word for it here. Um, <laughs> It's it's it would it's a weird thing to put in there if in fact you know based on the fact that in season one there was such a big deal about that sheriff gun bag they had to go back and get it yeah and now all of a sudden uh, there it is wait did they go back and get it they went back and got it and they and went where back is it? to get Merle too but they got the gun bag and not Merle and then Merle steals their van remember in season one yeah but they have the gun bag as far as I recall so it didn't make it out of the farm I don't think no. Um but for some reason the governor has a sheriff gun bag. Now, there would have been a sheriff in this little town before the apocalypse. And he would have had a bag of guns. And he probably would have had a bag of guns, so it could just be, you know, the previous sheriff's gun bag. Interesting that they specifically showed it in the episode though, so I wonder yep. if it's gonna come back and be like Rick will be like, hey, you got my bag. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the gun bag. Yeah. Uh, Mark from The Real Jersey Shore writes, when, after being lectured about Law and Order, love that show, (laughs) Michonne whirls around and within a second snatches her katana and holds it to the governor's neck. Her lips are quivering, but the blade is rock steady. I love that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, it was cool. Richard from London writes, the governor's choice of decoration includes a painting of Caravaggio's Bacchus, the god of wine and intoxication. Oh, Dionysus. If there's only two things you need to know about Caravaggio, it's that he was a hothead who ended up murdering someone in a fight and had to go on the run— but also, Bacchus is usually depicted in revelry. What's different about Caravaggio's version is he places him less in revelry than ill-looking and green around the gills. A hint about the governor, tea, and intoxication? Oh. Maybe? I, 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 I apologize if I'm pronouncing Caravaggio or Bacchus incorrectly, but I think I got those pretty close to correct. Um, anyways, I went and looked up this painting. It's an interesting painting of a... Sort of pink-faced young muscular man sitting with with a robe draped half open, with some wine and 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 uh, fruit in front of him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's an inter- it's a neat painting. Uh, I didn't know anything about it, of course, before Richard emailed in, but uh, there you go. It's- I, I'm
1: looking at the uh, copy of the painting right now. It's very good. Dionysus uh, is the Greek god of. Uh, you know just revelry and partying. wine partying he's, he's the party dude and uh he's always been of interest to me
0: so this is uh this is this is really really interesting all right well you should read up on it read read the wikipedia entry for this painting there's some interesting information about the painting itself including the fact that in the the glass of wine that he's holding in the painting yep. there's a tiny reflection of the artist sitting at his easel, painting the painting. Wow. It's meta. It's very meta. I, I thought it was interesting. So if you have any interest in art, you probably already know all about this painting, but me being a complete buron, I uh, is that did not. word? It. Yeah, it means, uh, um, you know, like l- low-class, sort of uneducated boob. <laughs> is, it, what, is it Czech? Uh, yeah, it might be. I, I don't know if it's specifically Czech but it it maybe it's just Slavic.
1: Well, you know, low class uned, uneducated boob kind of rings
0: true for me too. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Buran, Buran, Buran. It's like a Luddite. Uh, it's like a Luddite, exactly. Okay. There you go. I am not a Luddite, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. I'm, I you know, I'm talking on a podcast right now. Right. I'm not a Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So interesting art, very cool. Uh, Vinny from Cincinnati sent this email, uh, sent this call in, called this call in, I should say. And, uh, this is about last night's episode.
4: Hey, uh, Chris. Hey, Jason. This is, uh, Vinny calling from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, I was just calling. I'm going to give you my what, uh, geez, what is it? The, uh, holy crap. Did you see that? Did you guys see Herschel when, um, (laughs) when, uh, uh, Rick was, was uh, telling him about the uh, phone call. Herschel asked to stay. Rick said no. Watch that back. Herschel had like a mini seizure at the table with his eyeballs. It was awkward. Just watch it back. What the heck was going on there? You know, what else else is up with that Woodbury, man? It's like a lame soap opera there. You got the prison scene. It's all dark and gloomy. Then you go to Woodbury, and it's like watching Days of Our Lives. I don't know, these writers need to cut that out, and let's get back to the zombie apocalypse. All right, love the podcast. Keep it up. And again, this is Vinny from Cincinnati. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for calling in, Vinny. So kind of two points there. The first off, that Herschel does something weird right after Rick uh, says he doesn't need to stay in the boiler room. Eyeball seizure of some kind? <clears throat> well, it was more of a head-nodding seizure. Like, I noticed it in the episode, and then I watched it again, and I saw it again here when we were watching it before recording this. And, yeah, he does something weird with that head. It's like he's thinking about something, and then he makes a decision. He's like, okay, I'll leave. You know, it's <laughs> it, it was bizarre.
1: Scott Wilson is probably drunk.
0: Well, poor Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, and, and a, a secondary point there that we got a little bit too much days of our lives going on in Woodbury. I completely agree, but we have some more about that in listener feedback, so we'll talk about that oh, then. Right. Woodbury's a little bit idyllic, I That's think. That's a great call. Noah from Kentucky writes, First off, Michonne's dispatching of the governor's men. Second, the fact that I could tell that the voices on the phone belonged to Amy and Jackie. Third, Andrea's bare legs. Good job, Governor. And finally, the look on Rick's <laughs> face when he sees Michonne. So he had a whole bunch of uh, a lot. Holy craps! There, um, he, Noah just uh, as a side note here also asked if we have any Talking Dead T-shirts available. Oh yeah, which we just might sometime in we the might, near future. Might. We might. We may. If you, for whatever reason, want to walk around with our logo on your chest. Um, you may soon have the opportunity to do that. Not promising anything, but you never know. Just in time for Christmas.
1: (laughs) Too late. (laughs) I just promised. Oh. (laughs) Knew you were here for a reason.
0: (laughs) Tyler from the UK writes in, My holy crap, did you see that moment was when Michonne reveals herself to Merle and the other three hunters with him. The way she kills two of the men without hesitation was awesome. It's the first time I've actually said holy crap aloud when it happened. Nice. And related to that... John in Atlanta says, Michonne cut a live person's head off, which I mentioned before. Yep. Uh, John says, my wife played that back and forth on our DVR about 10 times. Nice. (laughs) So obviously John's wife likes to see decapitations. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can glean from that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Finally, uh, Mike... I guess from the internet, since I didn't write down where he's from, <laughs> writes in, it was when Michonne sliced the walker across the stomach and all its guts and intestines slowly poured out onto her. Ick, Ick. Also extremely gross and also a little bit holy crap. That was probably the one single gore moment from this episode, even though they're putting in two or three these last yep. couple. Yep. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for sending in their holy crap did you see that moments. Please uh, keep them coming and uh, send them in for future episodes. Now it's time to do listener feedback. Listener feedback. Before we get into the feedback this week, there's something I want to mention, and that is regarding last week's episode and the whole Lori's body being eaten by the zombie debacle. Right. If I can call it that. Uh just to recap briefly, you and I had major problems with that scene and um sort of dismissed it as being one of the poorer scenes in that the show has ever sort of put to air. Right. A lot of people, we got a lot of feedback about this scene, some people agreeing with us, yep. many people disagreeing, um, people with various theories and uh, various additional information that they wanted to pass on. Way too much feedback to properly go into on this episode of our podcast right here. It would be you know hours long. So we're definitely going to get to some of it. I think some of the things have been cleared up somewhat already, strictly by having another episode of the show already. Um, for example, I think it's clear now that uh, Carl did in fact shoot his mom in the head. There's no question anymore of whether or he at did least or not. he's still sticking to his story. Okay, he's sticking to his story, but I, I don't think there's really any question that he did any did not did or did not shoot her in the head anymore. So that kind of thing is now resolved. But there's still lots to talk about with that scene. You know, even if it's just whether or not we believe it worked as a scene or not. So we do have lots of feedback on that. And um, and we are definitely going to get to it. Uh, probably over the hiatus, I think we'll revisit this this scene and some of the feedback we got. So thanks everyone for sending it in. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, I apologize that we can't read it right now on the on the show, but we certainly will in the near future. Right, and uh, have a full on discussion about it. Uh, So the first email we're going to go to comes from Darren in New Brunswick. Darren is the host of the Definitive Geek podcast, which I've been on a couple of times. So if you want to find out more about that, head over to definitivegeek.com. He's kind of calling us out on saying that the governor is not evil. And he says, he found out where the National Guardsmen were and guns them all down in cold blood. Then has the chopper pilot beheaded after he told them. I can see being untrustworthy of rape gangs, and some other groups, but these guys would have been decent guys probably, still probably still doing their duty after everything else went down the crapper. Um, so what I have to say about this is that I don't think there is any question that the governor is an evil guy, mm-hmm. but the audience perspective on the TV show is different than the character's perspective, at least some of the characters. Andrea does, clearly does not think does not believe that the governor is an evil guy.
1: Well, he's right. The governor has definitely done some evil things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but what I, I think I agree with you, when I mean pull the trigger on being an evil, evil dude, is, you know, be that to all the characters. Yes. You know, the only one that really distrusts him at this point is Michonne. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I think, yeah. It's, it's, it's touchy. And I, I understand that that line is gray- and uh, not exactly squarely drawn in the sand.
0: Yep. But, uh, I don't think uh, I don't think he's an out and out evil guy to the our main characters yet. No, and and that's the point. Like, well, Merle and Milton may know that he's evil because they're in his inner circle and they know everything he does. But Merle is kind of doing what he thinks he needs to do to continue living and be a part of Woodbury. Right. And let's be honest, Merle probably isn't the most moral character in the world either. Well, no. Right? Um, Milton maybe is more so. We don't know him as well. But Milton, I get the feeling, has a you know better idea of what the governor is really like and has some reservations about it. Right, right, right. Us as the viewer, though, we know he's a complete evil you know, characters. Some bitch. Yeah. But uh certain people certain other characters don't know this yet. And I think they're gonna get there pretty soon about you know, revealing the full extent of the governor's personality to everybody. Right, right, right. Uh all righty. Danielle from California sent in this call.
4: Hey guys, this is Danielle calling from California. Just calling back to the holy crap, did you see that moment for you, Chris? And unfortunately, I have to say, when I saw Sophie, the name Sophie on the wall, I actually did think about Daryl and his attachment with Sophia and how he was such an integral part of looking for her and just the disappointment uh when it found when they found out that she had turned zombie and to her now with this new little baby, I think that they were kind of throwing back to that, and that how he got so attached to. Uh, the little ass kicker at the end, of him wanting to protect this child because of the child that they couldn't find, that they lost. So I think it actually was kind of pointing to Sophia, and they couldn't make it so obvious, so they chose the name Sophie. But that's your daughter's name. Very cool. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye.
0: Yeah, so um, when you saw the name on the wall, is the first thing you thought of Sophia? No. No? But, well, I'm, you know, I know your daughter, Well, and I know how you spell her name. Right. The the shocking part about it for me was the spelling of the name, because it's an unusual spelling, and like I said last week, we've met tons of Sophies since mine was born, and none of them have ever spelled her name that way, and then this show comes along, and there it is. But um, I totally get the fact that they were, you know, sort of— not so subtly trying to call back to Sophia on the show and just say, yeah, remember her? I mean, she was uh, she was a very tragic character, and you should all think about that.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the first thing I thought of was your daughter, and like, hey, that's weird. Right. <laughs>
0: and then the second thing was probably Sophia in the barn. <laughs> to be honest, not until we talked about it. Huh. Interesting. Um, anyways, it was just one of those things uh, that, uh, that was weird for me, but probably meant something totally different to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Kevin from Oregon sends in this call about Woodbury being too nice. Now I got to warn everyone: there is a slight spoiler for the comic in this call. It is something that happens in the comic well beyond where we are in the show, like way into issue eighty or you know ninety of the comic, something like that. And it's not a major spoiler. It just references somewhere else that the uh, the group eventually goes. Um, but the call is 43 seconds long if you want to skip skip over. So, uh, here you go. Kevin from Oregon.
3: Hey guys, what's up? It's Kevin from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I have a comment about the, uh, the Woodbury discussion. I think Woodbury is too nice. I think it should have been a little more run down, still functionable as a town, but it just gave off the feeling for me, at least in the comic book, that it was a little more run down, but you know, it was still livable. Um, when I see Woodbury in the TV show, I think of it as the secondary town that uh, they end up going to where Rick becomes the cop and everything. So this makes me believe that maybe we won't even get that far in the seasons. Like maybe they've, I don't know, they've already predicted that that's too far in the comic book to go for, so they're just going to dump all the budget into making Woodbury very nice. Um, anyway, that's just my thought. You have a nice day, and I'll come and gosh.
0: On the other side of this argument... Um... Chris from England writes in – he wrote in a long email, actually, with a bunch of points, but I pulled out this one because it was related to this conversation. He says, Woodbury is supposed to be a slow burn. It's called contrast. We've got the fast slash and burn at the prison contrasted with the apparent tranquility of Woodbury. Um, Now, now Chris in his email goes on to detail uh, each episode of the show that has scenes of Woodbury. And he says, I know that people are worried about the whole farm thing, but there's a big difference. The last last season, we didn't cut to something else. It was farm, farm, and more farm. In terms of screen time, I'm not sure we've even had two full episodes worth of Woodbury yet. It's working so far. If we get to episode 16 and they've not moved on, maybe we can start to worry. Right. So Kevin was kind of saying that, yeah, it seems way too pleasant there. And Chris from England has the other uh, side of the coin where it's just kind of a slow burn that's all going to blow up in our faces at some point. What do you think about this? Is Woodbury too safe, or is it just safe enough?
1: I don't know. I think they're both right. <laughs> How is that possible? Pick, I don't, I'm not really sure.
0: Pick a side,
1: man. Uh, it does seem like it's very pleasant, Phil, but I think it's in contrast to the prison, so
0: I understand it. <clears throat> um, right. Do you think if the prison wasn't there, or the prison wasn't nearly as horrific, you would— you would think that Woodbury was just way too pleasant and and nice for everyone, or is it? Or is it the fact that everything at the prison is going so much to shit, whereas Woodbury everything is going seemingly so well, um, that it it does actually balance itself out nicely.
1: I, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I I agree with the premise of the question. <laughs> All uh, right, so it you know I understand that the prison is is dirty, it's grimy, it's gross. And it's going to get better. And Woodbury is clean and pristine and perfect and Pleasantville, and it's going to get worse. And I think that the uh, like they are contrasting each other, and I think they're both going to come to a really kind of a,
0: a, a, a combative middle. I I guess so, and and I I agree that it's a good contrast that one is so bad and one is so good, but. It feels like they're going out of their way a little bit to make Woodbury, in my opinion feel a little bit too nice. if you watch Hounded our last episode from last night <clears throat> you know when when they're when Andrea and the governor are outside at one point walking around and people are just there walking around like nothing is wrong like yeah. absolutely nothing is wrong and I know they're just trying to keep this modicum of civilization, but you you would think that in a town like this. Everyone would be striving twenty-four hours a day to make it safer, and they'd be scared. But nobody seems afraid at all in this town.
1: No, but they kind of explain that as well, right? The governor is taking on all of that responsibility, mm-hmm. and he's making things seem like they're perfectly safe. And he's going out of his way to make uh, everybody uh, feel like they don't have to worry or do anything. Yeah, I... even the, uh, the you know the the fights. With the with the zombies that have all their teeth pulled, it's in order to you know belittle the zombie uh,
0: so that they they're not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I just think it seems too easy. You know, I I get what he's doing, but it seems like people are buying in a little too much. I mean, he's not that charismatic, is he? Maybe he is. He does deliver good speeches on the back of hum, Hummers, yeah, <laughs> or Jeeps or whatever he was standing on there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure. It does seem very pleasant, Phil. But is it is it too much? I'm not quite
0: sure yet. I, I don't think so. It Doesn't feel like too much to me. All right. Well, I'm getting. I'm already getting a little bit tired of it. So I hope they do move on to, as you said, bringing Woodbury down a little bit and maybe bringing the prison up a little bit and having something in between. Right. We will see. Uh, this call comes from Jordan from the Walking Dead TV podcasts. Our friend over there. He's got uh, two points to discuss. One, the bullet that uh, Rick found in the boiler room, and also something about digging a hole. Now, Dan from the internet, Ben from Australia, and Tom from the UK also wrote in about this, and uh, I'll follow up with that after the call. Here's Jordan from The Walking Dead TV podcast.
5: Hey, guys. Jordan from The Walking Dead TV podcast here. I'm constantly behind on my podcast listening, but I'm finally caught up on your guys' show, so at least I can comment now in a timely manner. So, in response to your most recent episode, Reverse Scarecrow, I have two, I wouldn't call them corrections for you, but just disagreements over points of fact. The first one was when Rick goes into the boiler room, and you guys said he picked up the bullet from the ground, and you were confused as to how that could be, how it would go through her head, etc. Now, granted, the scene was very dark, so I can't be 100% sure about this, but I'm pretty sure it was actually the bullet casing and not the bullet itself, and since Carl had a semi-automatic weapon, it stands to reason that as soon as he fired it would have ejected the bullet casing, and that's what Rick found on the ground. Uh, I do agree with you, though. If it was the bullet, um, and I was just mistaken in what I saw, then yeah, that is strange. But if it's the bullet casing, makes perfect sense to me. Second point would be uh, regarding the graves. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of weird that they dug three, although maybe it was like a Honoring the lost thing, you're going to dig him a grave if you don't have a body. But that aside, the question of after you dig a hole and refill it, whether it has a dip or a mound of dirt on it. um, I believe it actually has a mound of dirt. When the dirt is in the ground, it is compressed from time and water, etc. And when you take it out of the ground, it then takes up more space because you have broken it up, you've added air and and just more space between the molecules. So it actually takes up more overall space. If you then put it back in the hole, it's going to have a mound for a while. Now after wind and rain and other elements have taken their toll it will go back down to flat or even uh, a dip at that point but immediately after you fill it in it's gonna have a mound at least that's what i think it's been a while since i've dug a big hole and then just filled it in i.e never but i have dug my share of holes in in the past anyway love the show as always keep up the great work talk to you soon bye
0: all right before you respond about the holes or the bullet casing uh, i just want to say that tom from the uk wrote in uh, with some expertise on this, and he said that soil takes up about 1.5 times the cubic space when it's dug out of the ground due to the fact that you've added air, basically, to that, and it's not packed into the ground. So bullet casing, number one. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, my impression was it was the actual bullet.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to concede that, uh, you know, I saw the scene twice, and uh, I wasn't, paying that close attention, but it
0: sure uh, seemed like the bullet to me. Now, dumb firearms question for you here. Do all guns eject a bullet casing? Uh, Generally, yes. Not all. There's
1: such a thing called caseless ammo, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have a casing, but you need a special gun
0: to fire that, I believe. So the gun that Carl has would eject a bullet casing? Yes. All right. So that, like Jordan said, it was pretty dark. It could have been the casing. Maybe it was the bullet.
1: Yeah, we'd have to. I'd have to go back to make a hundred percent sure. But I thought it
0: was even uh, the bullet. Even itself. then, it might be hard though, because like it's hard to see what Rick's got in his fingers. It's pretty small and it's dark. So uh, there you go. Um, digging a hole and uh, filling it in with dirt. It's funny because, like I said, a number of people wrote in about this and said no. When you dig a hole and fill it back in, you have a mound because the dirt's not packed down. You have to tamp it down pretty heavily to get it to go back down. And you know, reading people's emails, I thought. Yeah, of course it's a mound. Well, How could it, I how could it be a divot? I, I've dug holes and filled it in, and there was always a, a, hole, a divot. You must have, like, stomped it down, though. Because then you might, I guess, get a, a divot because, I don't know, because it's looser and you're able to pack it down a little bit more? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to dig a hole this next spring. Yeah, don't, don't try it now. The ground is already starting well, I'm going
1: to dig make... it, and it's going to be four feet deep. Okay, I've got a, I've got a, you know, I've got drainage issues in my backyard, so I might have to start digging and putting in some drainage stuff. So uh, I'm going to give this a shot.
0: I'll help you do it. I know, I know some things about draining yards. Cool. I'll buy you an extra shovel. <laughs> Good. Uh, pickaxe is very helpful too. Okay. Just Just saying. Um. Anyhow, uh, digging holes. I've done it a little bit. Although the whole, the biggest hole I ever dug, I filled with rocks and gravel. Okay. So the, I don't
1: know. The last time when I learned this, I dug a hole. It was mostly sand. It was in the Ottawa River Valley. I was in basic training when I was uh, 17 in the the reserves, and we had to dig trenches. Mm -hmm. So we dug a trench. It had to be uh, at least four feet deep. I think we dug down about uh, six or seven because we went too far uh, (laughs) because it was above our heads. And then when we filled it in, There was a divot. Now, you said it was mostly sand. Sand, I
0: think, is a whole different...
1: Well, that might be the thing. And my entire experience is based on sand, apparently, Uh which might be different. So uh, I guess it depends on the type of soil is the only thing I can
0: speculate about. Or the type of material. I wouldn't even call sand soil. Well, the type of dirt that you're putting the shovel into. Sure. (laughs) Uh, All righty. I think that may explain it
1: right there. I think we also need to go to the beach and uh, dig a big hole and fill it in. Because oh, right. beaches are made of sand,
0: generally. Yeah, I've been to rock beaches, but I'm generally made of sand, um, as long as I can bring is, my kids.
1: Sand is rocks. Little tiny rocks.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. Good point. Uh, anyways, thank you for everyone that wrote in to to comment on our whole issue. Yeah. <laughs> Paul from the Isle of Man writes wow. in on the governor's diary. He says, there are lots of clues that the diary is not his— but probably belonged to the previous town governor. The email, budget, and references to legislation are all reminders of the things leaders used to have to be concerned with. The list in the diary is for the people lost, but after Penny, people don't matter to the governor anymore, and they just become digits on the endless tally. Hmm. Now, I don't think he's tallying... Uh, people who've died because there's just too many. No, you do those in groups of five. It's four down, one across. Right. You do, And that's uh, exactly, you do that in groups of five. Plus, we saw him in this last episode just writing more hash marks. So I think it's just a nervous, psychotic thing that he does. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but the fact that this diary may have belonged to like an actual. Politician previously is probably a good theory. That could be. You know, maybe he's actually living in the governor's office or something like that. Well, of, that'd be interesting. of the town of Woodbury, and so. he
1: had many leather-bound
0: books. Exactly. Yeah. See, okay. that makes some sense right there. Um, but isn't the governor, uh, a governor of at the state level? Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was the state. It was the state governor's office. Who knows? In Woodbury. In why not? <laughs> you never know, man. Uh, Everyone thinks Toronto is the capital of uh, Canada, but it's not. It's the capital of Ontario. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I almost said Ontario and then realized, wait a minute, it is. That's true. That's true, exactly. Uh, All righty, that is going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for writing in with all your comments or calling in. and uh, we we really appreciate it to get all that. And like I said, we are going to do an all feedback show coming up in the hiatus, where we will probably talk some more about the Lori body slash eating scene, yep, and uh, get into that a little bit. Just before we wrap things up for the night here, really briefly, want to do some of this next week on The Walking Dead. All right, next week on The Walking Dead, the episode is titled "When the Dead Come Knocking." Oh. So they don't knock. They just they just come right in.
1: They just try and open the door
0: or or walk through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh and the summary, the official summary is this, the governor seeks information, a new guest at the prison forces Rick's hand. Oh, Michonne. So Michonne is the <laughs> new guest. So that that's why I didn't really have a spoiler warning here because there's really nothing to spoil about this. Um But, uh, yeah, that's next week, uh, next Sunday night at 9 on AMC when the dead come knocking. Mm -hmm. We will, of course, be back the Monday night after to break it down and discuss it, read your feedback, and do all the stuff we do here. Um, Until then, if you want to contact us, I highly recommend you give our ZOMB line a call at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 1-866-483-9662. Or you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Finally, the best way or one of the, well, the best way to email us is talkingdeadpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, great. So uh, that's it. That's it for this week. We'll be next, back next week, everyone. Till then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Ciao.